Hello and, and welcome. My name's uh, Adam Curtis and I'm the curate here at Christchurch. Please do keep Micah uh, chapter 4 uh, uh, open. Um, I'm excited next week to be leading a seminar in, in the breakfast, the joint breakfast on um, dealing with stre stress and growing with patience. I'd never really had um, uh, much stress in my working life until I started working with Tom. <laughs> and so the last three years have really prepared me for this seminar. <laughs> but uh, as we come to God's word, let's come in humility and, uh, and prayer. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Our dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we thank you that your word goes out. That your word is like the rain. That it produces a crop, a harvest. That it will not return to you empty. That it brings transformation in life. And as we come to sit under your word today, please change us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we heard uh, uh, some heavy words from Micah chapter 3 uh, last week with Andrew. And uh, to give a little bit of a context uh, for, for Micah here, um, they're in a time in Israel's history where Assyria is sort of like looming and this great empire is about to cr crash down. Uh, upon them. But the words of Micah chapter 3 weren't just directed towards this fear of Assyria coming to take over Israel, but also was directed towards this fear of, of Babylon. A future empire would rise and would come and, and smash even uh, Jerusalem. And actually, there were heavy words of Micah chapter 3 of, of ruin. Let's look down at his final sentence of chapter 3 verse 12. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be ploughed like a field, and Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound, overgrown with, with thickets. So we hear how Jerusalem is going to be turned into a rubble, a ruin. This temple will be overgrown with, with thickets. And it's, it's God's gory word. It is a, it's a hard word. It's a gory word for his people because of their because of their sin. But this gory word of verse 12 is then for, followed by the glory word of chapter 4, 1, one to 5. And that gory word, glory word, uh, isn't, isn't my own invention there. That's from Ra Dale Ralph Davis gave me that beautiful little phrase. So we have the gory word of verse 12 followed by the glory word uh, here in chapter, chapter 4, verses 1 to, 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 to 5. Because actually that image which, thus, which we're left with in chapter 12, uh, verse 12 isn't the final word. It isn't the Lord's final uh, word. And actually this temple which has been crushed is actually going to be raised up. Look down with me at verse, uh, verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and people will stream to it. And that is, that is a remarkable image. An incredible image. Because chapter 3, verse 12, we're told that the temple is going to be, the temple hill is going to be a mound overgrown with thickets. Jerusalem is going to be plowed like a field. It's going to be, a, it's going to be rubble. 
And yet, already within a verse, we're being told that this place which will be rubble is going to be lifted high. Lifted, lifted high above every other mountain. And that image of mountains, well, uh, the gods of other religions are ever meant to live on mountains. And so the idea that, that our Lord is on a mountain, his temple is a mountain higher than every other mountain, it is an image of, of his sovereignty over every other sort of deity. And we can get that image when we think of the Greek gods living on, on, on the mountains. And actually, it is the mountain of the Lord is above every other mountain and every other deity. But also think what is, what is happening when one goes to the temple. What's your purpose of going to a temple if you're an ancient Jew? You go to the temple to meet with the Lord. And here we have this image of the temple being lifted high above everything else, of this, this meeting place being created between heaven and between earth. And suddenly heaven is meeting with earth as the temple is, is being lifted high to the highest of possible places. And as it's being lifted high to the highest of possible places, people will stream to it. They'll flow to it. It's like the, the lifted temple has this magnetic sort of force which draws people, which defies the very laws of nature and draws people so they flow up uh, towards heaven, up towards this mountain. And the people we discover in verse 2, well, they're from, they're from many nations. And, and why do they come up to the mountain of the Lord? Because they want to they hear his ways. They want to be taught. They want to learn how to, to, to walk in his, in his paths. And that's why they want to enter his presence. And they, they want to enter his, his presence so they can hear his word. And as they hear his word through their ears, it will impact their very feet. It will impact the way that they, they walk. And walking within, in scriptural sort of language isn't just the image of, of each day walking step by step. It's the image of, of a transformed life, of living a new life. It has got an ethical dimension uh, to it. And this impacts the way that they're going, to, they're going to live. And so people are flowing up so they can learn how to live. And as they flow up so they can learn how to live, at the end of verse 2, the law will go out, the word goes out. As the people come in, the word goes out, so that more people may hear. And as the people come in, well, verse 3, as the people come in and the word goes out, there's a word uh, then goes out from there. It brings, it brings judgment and it settles dispute. As God's word flows from Zion, it brings about justice. It brings about justice and it settles dispute. So as people encounter God's words, that is a, that is a bringing a transformation and an enabling of justice to be done. And, the, and, the, and this justice it is, it is miraculous. And it is beautiful. It's a sort of justice one, 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 one but longs for. Like we, we hear, the second half of verse 3, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. This is an image of, of tanks being turned into tractors. This is an image of, of, of um, army training camps being closed down. It's that sort of miraculous sort of transformation is going to be brought as the people flow in and as the word goes out and as justice flows across the whole world. 
And this, this peace, well, it is a universal peace, but it is individually enjoyed. A universal peace which is individually enjoyed. Look at verse 4. Every, every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and they will not be afraid. Why, why that image of a vine and a, and, a, and a fig tree? Well, if you're in a particularly hot country, like Israel, if you're in a, a country which is dominated by the sun, then, you're, then to, to have a, a vine or a fig tree which provides shade and you can sit under is going to be essential. But you don't just want the provision of shade, you also want the provision of food and bounty and plenty. So we have here this, this image that as the temple is lifted high, and as the word goes out and his peace is established, that actually this world which will be created is a world where there's universal peace individually enjoyed because of this prosperity which the individual can have with this vine and this, and this, this fig tree, with this, the, the beauty of this, of this world which is going to be created where no one will be afraid anymore. And as Micah sort of speaks about this, this future reality, we then have a, a word of application in verse 5. The word of application. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. And actually, it's the only actual sort of word of application in, in chapter 4. That as sort of Micah gives them this grand vision of the future, he's then, this is going to impact your present. And it impacts your present right now that actually this is going to impact how you walk right now. That because you see where you're going, this beautiful image of the future, because you get to see that, and so as you get to taste that, that will, that will flow into how you live right now and how you walk right now in the choices that you make right now that you will walk. You should walk thus in the name of the Lord, our, our God. So rubbish and ruin is going to come to Jerusalem. That is what the chapter 3, verse 12 has, has told us. So if that is true, that rubbish and ruin is going to come to Jerusalem, then how does this verse 5, how are they going to actually live that out? So they're being told, okay, ruin's going to come to Jerusalem, chapter 3, verse 12, but you're meant to walk in the name of the Lord. But the, the, the question then sort of rises, well, how can they walk? Because those people who have had their city treated like, like, like a field and ploughed, who their, their homes have been turned to rubble, well, they carry that, the, the trauma of that, in the scars on their very body. How are, they meant, how are they meant to walk when they face this sort of judgment? How are they meant to walk in the name of the Lord? Well, let's look down at verse, uh, verse 6. How are these people meant to walk? Well, in that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame. I will assemble the exiles and those I have brought to grief. I will make the lame a remnant, those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. Those who, who cannot walk because they've been living in the rubble of Jerusalem, the Lord is going to gather them in. He will go out to gather the lame in. The lame from the, 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 the rubble we read here will become his, his remnant. 
that image of a, of a remnant, that image of, 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 of the, to, be, to be the chosen, to be chosen, to be gathered, to be chosen. And so these people who cannot walk because they were under the, his judgment are now being brought in. And as they're being brought in, we discover in verse 8, then a king is going to be placed over them. So we have the, the peace flowing from the mountain. We have, uh, we have um, the prosperity that is coming to all. We have this remnant which is being built up and we have this king being placed over them. This, this image there of, of security, this image of rule, this image of blessing, which always comes of a, a biblical uh, king. But we've got to, but, but, but Micah also wants his, his listeners, his readers to understand that, that the glory word doesn't diminish the gory word. The glory word doesn't diminish the, the gory word. And we see that in, um, in verses 9, 9 to 10. Because we're given quite a striking image here, aren't we? In verses 9 to 10. We're told that, that Jerusalem is going to writhe in agony like a woman in labor, that actually because of the, because of the sins of this nation and their, their idol worship, because of, because of what they've done, God's mighty hand of judgment is going to come. Babylon will come and take them, take them away. That is their, 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 their future, their destiny. And so they will writhe in pain because of it. However, the image of we're given is they writhe in agony like a woman in labor because a woman, woman in labor's agony it has a purpose to it. There is there's a purpose to that, to that pain. And actually the pain is not the end result. The end result is the baby which is born. The end result here is that actually the Lord God will come and he will rescue them from Babylon and he will redeem them and he will take them from, from their enemies' hands. So actually the end result is not them being cast off to Babylon. Their end result is the Lord comes as a mighty rescuer and redeemer and as he comes as a mighty rescuer and redeemer he also comes to bring about a a reversal a reversal because those people who have come to Jerusalem who have come to Israel they've treated Israel like like, like they're a mighty war horse and they're trampling on it with their hooves but actually these nations who have come to Israel and are trampling on it with their hooves that they might think that they've had the final word. They might think that they are the, the final victor. They might think that, that Israel has come to naught and that their God is, is nothing. But that isn't actually reality. They have not perceived reality rightly. Look down with me at verse, at verse 12 and hear reality. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan. He who gathers them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Rise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will give you horns of iron, I will give you hooves of bronze, and you will break to pieces many nations. Actually, these nations, they don't understand. They have come and they have trampled on Israel and trampled on Jerusalem, but actually the Lord God will will bring about a great reversal, and those people who have been doing the trampling will themselves be trampled uh, upon and this great reversal of justice will be enacted so what's the the main point of Micah 
because we don't live in a time of uh, Assyria about to invade or Babylon's not going to come and take us away into exile. What is the Lord saying to us here today as we sit here in, in, in Sidcup? Well, I think the Lord is saying to us today, for those who are facing, uh, for those who are facing rebuke, for those who are facing rebuke, it's, it's not the final word. For those who are facing the rubble, rebuke is not the final word. For those who are, who are living in a, in a broken and a fallen sort of world as we do live in, waiting for the redemption of Jesus Christ, actually the, 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 the rebuke of chapter 3 isn't the final word. Actually the final word of what God is going to do isn't, isn't the, the, the judgment which he speaks about in, in, in chapter 3. Actually the final word of what he's going to do in chapter 4 is he's going to bring a raising up of his, of his temple so that people may meet with the Lord God for all eternity. The final word of chapter to 4 is that he's going to bring uh, about a, a remnant, that he will gather his people from every nation and draw them together and to make them into one people. The final word of, of chapter 4 is that actually he's going to bring about a mighty rescue, that he will, he will enter into every, every, every foreign place and every place of exile and, and, and rescue his people from whatever the outcome is. The final word of, of chapter 4 is actually that he will bring about a reversal and actually there will be great justice done uh, uh, upon the earth. The rubble of chapter 3, the rebuke of chapter 3 is not the final word. And as we live in, in this moment where we do live still in a fallen world wake it, waiting for its redemption, then we're given sort of this image of of what the future is going to be like. That actually is an image where we, God's people, will meet him like a bride meets her groom and we will be united with him for all of eternity. We're given an image of, of, of peace and prosperity where tractors, uh, where tanks are turned into tractors. And isn't that what we long for as we've prayed for, like, for, for over a year now for the war in Ukraine and for those people who are who have suffered so much that we long that tractors will that tanks will be turned into tractors, and that is what the Lord will do, as we see people in 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 need, and we 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 hear that of of, of poverty, not just in far off places, but in our own land. That we long for that everyone would have their their fig tree and their vine, that would have that prosperity and wouldn't need to live in in fear. And actually, that is exactly the world which the Lord is going to build. He's going to create as in this sort of final sort of vision for the future. And so the, the word of rebuke in chapter 3, the rubble is not the final word. And actually he is, he is giving us this final word in chapter 4 of this vision of the future. And I think the Lord is giving us this vision of the world he's going to build to, to spur us on to fulfill verse 5. So that we can, verse 5, all the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. He's given us this vision of the future so it can impact our walking now, our living now for Jesus and for, 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 for his glory. He wants us to, to have this huge sort of image about this miraculous transformation, about what he's going to do so that we might be spurred on to walk right now. So that, so that our walking might impact our ethics, so that we might do what is right rather than what is wrong, so we might pursue righteousness rather than pursue sin, so we might pursue holiness rather than wickedness. He, he, he's impacting our walking with this huge 
sort of vision for the future because the rubble of chapter 3, the rebuke of chapter 3 is not his final, is not his final word. And he wants to give us this vision so that he can impact our walking. As we, uh, we've sort of rushed through chapter 4, and there's so many beautiful things in there, why don't we just spend a moment just meditating on maybe one part of it, and then I'll close in prayer. I will gather the lame. I will assemble the exiles. And those I have brought to grief, I will make the lame a remnant. Those driven away, a strong nation. Oh, our dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we praise you for who you are, that you are the one who gathers. And the ones you gather are the ones who are lame. We praise you, Father God, for what you are going to build. You will gather all your people up so they will be your remnant, your precious possession. We praise you, Father God, that your son Jesus Christ will return, that justice will be established, and this world will be transformed so that tractors, so that tanks will become tractors. We praise you, Father God, that we will one day meet you as your bride and be united with your son forever and ever when heaven meets earth. Father God, may this vision of this future reality, this future truth, may it fill our heads and fill our hearts so that we may be able to walk for you and live for you and speak for you. Cast out the shadows and let the light pour in. In the name of Jesus. Amen.